0: On the cusp, in the car, here I am on I-65, riding it in my little Corolla, head north. Just finished up my gig at the Nashville Palace, there at the Nashville Palace. I played a late night, Saturday night, into Sunday morning shift, we call them. I was picked up a shift, that's what they say down here. Today I got a text message from the manager lady who books it and she asked me to come out there and fill in for whoever was booked originally I guess they couldn't be there I don't know who it was but anyway I went over there and me and my buddy Jerry Webb it's a full band slot so to be honest with you I was kind of nervous Saturday night 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. oh my gosh that's the busy time and I don't have a full band and we're following a full band Pam Miller band she's great so she's got this great country band and then here I show up just a guitar and there's Jerry on his guitar and we're just like we don't have a drummer we don't have bass there's dancers in the crowd they're gonna get you know if, if you know anything about being at like a honky tonk with dancers they like that jump that drum that snap of the snare you know they like that they like to dance to that, boot, scoot, and boogie. And uh, here I am just playing rhythm guitar. It's not that they can't dance to what we're doing, but it's a lot harder. So I just, I get a little bit of anxiousness in those situations sometimes because I'm like, man, I'm an imposter. I'm the wrong guy. Why did I say yes to this? Oh, and some people would hear this and think, are you crazy? Are you kidding me? That's what you do. You're all the time playing gigs. But not every gig is the same. And expectations of audiences are different. So I just go into these situations and I'm like, i just going to have to fill it out. And it always happens the same way. You get in, you get up, to start playing and people have a good time. And so that's what happened tonight. It actually became kind of a slow night. Maybe that's our fault, but the bartender mentioned to me that it's always a slow night after 1 a.m., so he cut us loose. Either we sucked really bad, or he wanted to go home, or both, but anyway, I got to go home now, so that's what I'm doing on the ridge going up to Portland, Tennessee, which means I have time to do a podcast episode. It's been a while, and man, have I been all over the country. I haven't counted the miles. But if you followed the pod, you know that I was in New Jersey about six weeks ago, and then we came back from New Jersey, and then within about a week and a half, we went to Florida. And we had two weekends of shows down in Florida in early, mid-October. Then we went from Florida, so, oh, we played, oh my gosh, I gotta talk about this. So, we played the uh, National Anthem there at the Arcadia Rodeo. I never did a follow-up to, to the Arcadia Rodeo, and uh, <laughs> this was wild. So we played two days before the Rodeo out in this area outside the stadium where we just kind of play for audiences as they come in. Now thousands of people come into the Rodeo, and I believe this Sunday afternoon there were around 4,000 tickets sold, so they were in there. But we end up playing for maybe a couple hundred as they come by our tent where we're playing outside. And this particular Sunday, there was a bit of pressure. We were under the gun because we finished the rodeo, we finished our gig. The rodeo begins on the inside, but we tear down so we can load up in the truck and we've got a boogie because we got to be in Montana in five days and we got to drive there so i'm pulling a big trailer all this stuff is going on and i'm like in my head like i gotta load out so while we're loading out and tearing down somebody says hey the national anthem singer can't make it can y'all do it and i at the time i was like like that's an hour from now we gotta go in there we gotta like put our clothes back you know our show clothes on and The kids are starving. So, like, we're thinking through this. And, of course, I just said, absolutely we can. But I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, man, we got all this stuff. But I'm still fired up, like, we're going to go do the national anthem. And I'm thinking, like, 90% of me is doing this for my country, okay? And 10% of me is, like, this kind of pumps up my tires a little bit, that we're going to go in there and play for all these people. So, we go in we like walk in where the horses go in the rodeo where the dirt is and if you've seen the video so I'll tell you how that happened we walk into this gated area that's nothing but dirt we're like in a stall where horses would be and I've just got my guitar and I don't know why because they told me we've got one microphone can y'all share that and we're like sure that that's fine you know and we don't want to be high maintenance actually, we need two microphones, and I need a plug for my guitar, and I need this, and I need... You know, they don't have that stuff, so they're just like, we got one mic. Okay, so we're in this little stall area. They have a presentation. A guy says the prayer, by the way, an incredibly moving prayer to our Lord and Savior in the middle of this rodeo. I mean, I, I it's an honor to be a part of this thing, and I start getting a little bit emotional because I'm like, man... This is just God-fearing, America-loving. These are like the greatest people. I love this whole experience. And um, me and Amy, we just did the National Anthem. Maybe two months ago, we were hired to play a racetrack. And three races happened. And before each race, we had to do some country music and then sing the National Anthem. And we had never really done that too often. So we'd gotten a little bit of practice at this racetrack. But now we got no practice, really, because we're standing in, it's time, you know, and so it's like, well, here we go. But thank God we had, we got to do it a couple months earlier, so Amy walks out there, I walk out with her, and it's our turn to start, and I said, Amy, you sing into the mic, I will be off mic, and I will support you, I'll sing the melody just loud and clear but i wanted to pick up your voice you know she's got the pretty voice so she gets out there i'm standing next to her i hit the guitar chord so we know what key we're in and she goes oh say can you say okay so she starts singing it i ain't gonna sing it and i'm off mic singing it and i'm thinking in case something happens and she forgets the lyrics or vice versa at least we're both singing the melody well then she gets to that part Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave. At that part, I mean, dude, like, I'm fired up right now. Like, I feel the energy of this moment. I'm My heart is swelling with pride over how incredible my wife is doing. And, I mean, I start, I got to jump on the harmony now. Like, I'm going for it. I don't even know if it's the right harmony. I'm just going for it. It might be too high. That's all right. And I jump on that harmony and I'm way off mic, kind of hollering it out. And she's singing, nailing this thing, and home of the brave. And everybody just cheers. And it's this roar. And it's like the loudest roar I've ever heard. I mean, for us, you know, it's not for us, it's for the national anthem, it's for America. We know it's not for us. I'm not saying that. But I got to tell you, when we ran out of there, I was like, dude, like, okay now it's like switched it's like it was 90% for my country and now it's like 70% pumping my tires and firing me up and like 30% service to my country. like it, it really swung I'm sorry to admit it I was so fired up that I was like I wanted to go out there and do it again and be like thank you thank you but of course that's not what it was all about and I didn't do that but man it was amazing so she did a great job. And, oh, my kids were with us. So we were, like, trying to get them to to be still and be quiet, which usually ain't a problem. But they'd already done that for three hours that day. And my daughter is six. My son is nine. They're fine. They can sit still and be quiet. But there's nowhere to sit in that barn stall. And I'm thinking they're going to stand there and watch them get in an argument or something. And so I handed them... My phone and Aria. We handed my son, my phone, and Aria, the other phone. And we said, hey, why don't y'all video this? And that distracts them. Well, Aria did video it pretty good. Avery did too, although he's got his thumb in it a few times. Aria didn't, believe it or not. So that's the video we ended up posting. So that's the story about how we ended up doing the national anthem at Arcadia. So now it's slam everything in the truck and take off. And drive to Nashville. We got to Nashville, Nashville the next day. And then Tuesday, the the day after we got home, I mean, we weren't even home 12 hours. We got back in the truck and made our way to Montana. And it went from 80 degrees Wednesday in South Dakota, well, Missouri, Nebraska, South Dakota. All of a sudden, it was minus one. And I was driving into a snowstorm. Now, down in Florida, it was like 90 Now it's minus one and I'm driving into a snowstorm a few days later. Unbelievable weather change. Parts of the camper were falling apart, everything was happening. We finally got to Montana Friday, right before the private event that we were hired to do. Played the event, made our way back, and uh, we visited some friends in Boulder, Colorado. Enough of all that, we got home. And I got home yesterday. So I've put on so many miles, I I ain't even counted, I got no idea. Probably put on a few pounds too. I ate some cheeseburgers. I ain't gonna lie. Drink some Coca Colas while I was gone. But I get home and here we bought. Bar- here I am back tonight, playing a gig in Nashville, and tomorrow is Sunday, and I'm gonna make it to church in the morning, and I'm excited about that. So, look, there was a story at the end of the last podcast that I promised I would tell, and it is the story. Of where I learned the phrase, this is bullshit. And I did not cuss just now. Um, There's so many jobs I've done over the years. Obviously, as a musician, I'm one of those guys. You know, I'm going to end up working 20 jobs over all these years. One job I had before I moved to Nashville was I worked for my cousin, Scott Gendelsberger. And we installed security systems and cameras in, in gas stations and restaurants. I mean, one time we went to, I think it was Robbinsville, Robbinsville, however you say that, North Carolina, up in the mountains, and we installed cameras in the McDonald's up there. I remember that was fun because they gave us food throughout the day. Um, but this other time, we went over to a Raceway gas station. In the mountains of North Carolina, right off Interstate Forty, I could take you right to it. I believe it's Exit One Hundred or Ninety Nine, so somewhere over in there. And there was a feller named Ahmed that ran the raceway, so for a few days we had to work there. I mean, you got to install like twelve cameras or whatever, you know. So we installed all these cameras outside, and now we got to install the ones inside. So we're up on these ladders with our heads in the ceiling tiles, and throughout the last few days, Ahmed has been incredibly friendly. He's been saying things like, um, "Can I get you a drink? Would you like a drink at all?" And you know, I'll get you a fill. And he's just been very, very nice. So we got our heads up in the in the ceiling tiles. And this other lady is kind of like a redneck mountain lady works there at the gas station. And uh, I'm coming off on the inter- off the interstate ramp. You can hear it slowing down. But this this redneck lady decides to quit. And, again, our heads are up in the ceiling. We can't really see what's going on, but we hear this conversation. She says, I quit. I'm out. I'm done. And, she's, and this guy, who's been so nice and kind to us, he says, what do you mean? And she says, I'm just done. I quit. He says, this is bullshit. And she says, I don't care. I've had it. And he says, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> and she's just like, she's like, I'm going to tell you right now. I want my check. I want my check before I walk out the door. He says, this is fucking bullshit, and he just keeps raising his voice, and we're, like, falling out of the rafters at this point, trying not to, and I can see my cousin down there sticking his head up through a rafter. The light from the floor is shining up on his chin, you know, he's laughing over there, and I'm laughing, (laughs) and he's just like, fuck you. And I think he even said, "Buck, you and the horse you rode in on. And she went out the door. I mean, that was just unbelievable. So, look, ever since then, me and my cousin, we drove away from there. And and we basically said, this is bullshit to each other all the time. And it became a story that I would tell to people. Because, see, I grew up in a home. I got to tell y'all, I grew up in this very conservative fundamental Baptist, independent, King James Bible-believing home, and my mama wouldn't let us say crap, and I mean literally the word crap. She If we said dang or darn, she didn't like it too much. I think we did say it from time to time, but she was a very strict person on the words we say. We were not allowed to if, if, If we cussed at all, oh my gosh That was it. So that just did not happen in our home growing up. So there were a few loopholes I discovered. I figured out I could tell the Hoover Dam jokes. Like, yeah, yeah, I went to Hoover Dam and took the damn pictures and the damn tour. And the damn tour guide was hilarious at Hoover Dam. I'll tell you what. (laughs) You know, the only problem is you spend all that, you know, damn money there. The damn gift shop is just, oh my gosh, I... blah blah you get it so i started to tell him jokes when i was about 15 or 16 because i always like to push right up on the edge and maybe even cross the line just a bit for the sake of humor and that kind of set me up for my songwriting which some of my attempts at comedy songs that's what they're about so i actually wrote a song called bullshit that i'm very proud of and i've only played it out once or twice and uh one time i played it out and i was told that it was racist and uh i put this podcast i'm this is out now so i guess if it's racist I, i'll 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 pay attention to the to the fan mail that i don't get and I'm we'll find out we'll find out if i matter at all in the universe if i can put out something racist and nobody cares then uh then we know I don't really matter. So, because if it's racist, then they they'll sniff it out if I if I've got any influence at all. But I appreciate y'all listening to this. I just this is gonna be a short one tonight. Just drove a lot of miles. I wanted to get back on here and tell the story I promised I would about Ahmed. And uh, what are we on the cusp of? This is the name of this podcast. Um, I'm on the cusp of a bunch of gigs in Nashville and, uh, two weeks from now, I'm going to be doing a Branson on the road show without, um, the leader and the producer of the show, Debbie Horton. She is not going to be able to make it. So she has hired me and, uh, Jerry Webb and Nick Bryant to, to head to Effingham, Illinois to do her show. And we're basically, I mean, we're doing the Branson show. I ain't never been to Branson, except one time we drove through it and I ate Chick-fil-A. But I've never seen a show in Branson, but I'm going to go do a Branson on the Road show. So I'm excited about it. Thank you, Debbie, for the opportunity. And thank you all for listening to this episode of On the Cusp.